This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by polytetrafluorothylene, discovered by Roy J. Plunkett. This compound would go on to be used for Teflon in 1938. Plunkett received the John Scott Medal from the City of Philadelphia in 1951 for an invention promoting the, quote, comfort, welfare, and happiness of humankind. Attendees were given a Teflon-coated muffin tin to take home. <laughs> Other awards and honors followed. Plunkett was inducted into the <laughs> into the Plastics Hall of Fame. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> yep. In 1973 and the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 1985. Plunkett died of cancer on May 12, 1994 at his Texas home at the age of 83. Thanks, Roy. Thank you, Roy. Thanks, Cody. Well, 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 well. Well... You're gassy, I'm sassy. Let's We're do classy. this. No, trashy. This is the good ship, brother. Yeah. <laughs> classy yet trashy. Gassy, sassy, and slightly trashy. <laughs> it's the good ship, brother ship. <laughs> oh, welcome back, everybody. Hey. Okay, Jason, what have you been watching, reading, listening to? What have you been up to lately? Um. Sorry, I really am gassy. Should I tell uh, what, people what I've been up to? One thing I've been listening to that I've been enjoying, and I want us to I review in some sense, maybe a different album or something, is Creed Bratton's music. Creed, of course, being really well known from his role on the U.S. version of The Office. Yeah, I'm you're, you're burping the, almost constantly right now. The U.S. version <laughs> of The Office. Uh, Creed was a musician. From, I think, the 60s or 70s and on to now. Which is really weird. Which is really weird. But his 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 best-known work was on The Office. So I've been listening to his album, which is entitled The 80s, and was released in 2003, I think it was. Oh. And I really like it. It's, like, it's good. It's legitimately good. Um, and he has quite the body of work. I haven't gone back and listened to any of his stuff with the grassroots, which was what he did more in the 70s mm-hmm. but his solo album that i listened to was awesome and i first i first got into him because he was a guest on the office ladies podcast and then at the end they played a clip of a song from his unreleased album and i was like this is really good so if he released an album this year for sure we need to review that that would be awesome and i think we should review one of his already released albums i will say i didn't know he was a musician for a long for a mm-hmm. long time when i was watching the office but is it season three when they do the opener uh, with the choreographed like no, song that's and like dancing? Season six or seven, really? Yeah. Um, and Creed plays that guitar solo. Yeah. They like sneak up on him and he turns around and looks all surprised, but he has a Stratocaster and then yeah. he plays a solo. And I'm watching him, and I'm thinking, not only is he definitely playing that, but he's good. But he is performing like yeah. he he's definitely been on a stage, just yeah. his motions and stuff. And then I learned. He's also a musician. I'm, I was like, oh, of course. Yeah. That's why he he just pulled that out of nowhere for that one 10-second bit in the office. And in uh, you have he performs in another part of the office that you haven't seen yet towards the end. Oh, really? And then also in uh, Benny Hanna Christmas, which is the Christmas episode in season three, I think. Uh, they go to that, like... Uh, What's that? What's that way of cooking called? Where you're like tossing stuff up and hibachi. Yeah, 
they go to like some hibachi restaurant, you know, and they bring those two like Asian chicks back to the yeah. party, and they have a karaoke machine. Uh, there's a scene, and it's in the background for probably like two minutes, and it's Creed doing karaoke for one of his songs. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and it it actually like shows him singing along with it for a while, and then like in the background while people are talking, you can hear really him doing karaoke to one of his own songs. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Uh, that show's crazy. Yeah. But that's that's <clears throat> an album that I've been listening to a lot lately. And it's one of those albums where I started listening to it because there's one track that really caught my ear. Sure. And then there's like another and another. And eventually you're like, this is just a good album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I didn't think it would be that, as good as it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I just rewatched Altered Carbon. There are new episodes coming to Netflix on Thursday, I believe, of mm-hmm. a new season or something like that. Good show. Yeah. Uh, very, very, very Blade Runner, but a really interesting central premise where in a far future kind of a little a little bit of a dystopian future uh, certainly kind of dirty seedy neon sci-fi mm-hmm. a la blade runner very very blatant evocation of blade runner mm-hmm. um the very wealthy are able to purchase new bodies and transfer their conscious into them and live for hundreds and hundreds of years and the central character is a kind of gumshoe detective guy who uh, is hired to solve his employer's murder Mm-hmm. So the guy's been murdered, and then his consciousness was backed up onto another body, mm-hmm. and he kind of, you know, respawns, I guess, Yeah. and uh, then hires this guy to solve his murder, his murder that happened. Maybe I should watch it. I I think I might give up on Screen Queen Season 2, because it's not as good as the first season it, at all. Yeah, but what could be? Not much. Um. So I watched that. I watched... Uh, well, the movie we'll be talking about today, The Lighthouse, I've watched that twice now, and uh, Uncut Gems, and I watched, I've watched a good portion of Inherent Vice, the film adaptation of the Thomas Pynchon book. I've been watching that for the second time, and it's very weird, very very weird. I'm not sure how much I actually like the movie, but I quite like the book. You know, it's one of those kind of situations. It's a really really difficult book to adapt. Um, and then there's something else I watched too, but I can't quite remember what it was. It was a good... Oh, I watched Hostiles. Hostiles. That's uh, a Christian Bale Western. And huh. for me, it is one of the great modern Westerns. Hmm. Like It is just fantastic. And it's the story of this uh, U.S. Army general i believe he is um very very decorated indian killer Mm -hmm. and he hunted and killed and corralled and imprisoned the natives for very many years and now he is tasked with bringing one of their high-ranking chiefs of the tribe he's been trying to exterminate this chief is very sick he has probably cancer or something like that and so they release him from mm-hmm. imprisonment and allow him to go home to die, basically. Mm-hmm. And Christian Bale's character, along with another kind of motley cast of characters he gathers along the way, uh, take this man to his final rest on his his yeah. rightful land. And it sounds like one of those movies that would be very preachy, and in a very real way it is, but in a really beautiful, underhanded kind of way. It never beats you over the head with the social justice message. Uh, it does show the natives as good and bad people it doesn't mm-hmm. paint them as these virtuosic you know angels of mm-hmm. enlightenment who are and and it doesn't show the white man as being 
either good or evil mm-hmm. either. It's really, really, it has a lot of nuance and is a great, great Western. And I just wish that movies like this got more attention and I wish that more of them were made because mm-hmm. Westerns are part of our history yeah in north america and history in terms of uh actually having happened and filmmaking yeah both that's true yeah and i think that might be part of why i love them so much Mm. although most westerns are there are mostly fantasy there aren't many kind of accurate his kind of accurate historical genres in film that have their own genre you know what i mean like there's there's fantasy but most of the time there's like magic and flying dragons and stuff like that that's true there's not a whole there's... lot of historical like medieval films that get made right i mean i like maybe occasionally you know like uh i don't even know what game of thrones <laughs> <laughs> that was in britain somewhere yeah I think. um anyway so that's kind of what i've been watching i've been watching a lot of good stuff recently and mm-hmm. and reading almost finished blood meridian after which I will give it immediately to you because I got very, very angry about Blood Meridian recently. Let me tell you this real quick and then we'll get into the meat of the show. I looked up... So I'm reading Blood Meridian. I love it. It's one of my favorite books of all time. And I thought, you know, I want to just get really hyped up on this. Uh, I just want to hear some people dig deep and get nerdy about this book. I make the mistake of doing this all the time. I googled Blood Meridian podcast. I listened to the first few minutes of three separate podcasts on Blood Meridian, and all of them went like this. Oh, it's so violent. I don't really like the violence. It's just violent to be violent. Oh, where's the storyline? I don't get it. That's how we sound, though. It was so draining to listen to people just rag on something that... And then all of them said the same thing. Oh, it's one of Time Magazine's top 100 novels of all time, and I don't get it. And it's like, yeah, well, maybe you don't get it. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to rag on something, and then just complain about how you don't get it and all this stuff. Sorry. Yeah. Wow. It's been a long time With since no we reviewed something points. really negatively. Yeah. Maybe City in Color. Yeah, City and Color. I was thinking about that the other day, how hot under the collar I got. You went through and counted all the times you talked about how he wanted to die, and it was like 12. it was a lot. It was a lot. It was more than 12, I think. But, uh, yeah, but even then, that's, you know, that is a matter of my personal taste. I just didn't think that that album was any good. But, yeah, we haven't really, we haven't reviewed anything negative in quite some time. But even, I think, when we do, we're a little bit more balanced than these people were. It was just like, and, and... There was a podcast I listened to with like three guys on it, and all of them said the exact same thing. It was like echo chamber extremists, and I just got so angry that I we need to do a balanced review of this great novel. But anyway, I've been Fair reading enough. that, and I've started to read Bram Stoker's Dracula as well, which I'm very excited to read. I am excited for you to read that too, yeah. Have you read it? No, but I did read... Sure, just yawn. I did a book study on... Uh... <laughs> Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty neat. But yeah. Uh, also, I was playing the game Valhalla, and we, we'll have to talk about that sometime in the future. That Absolutely. weird bartending story-based game. But I haven't played like any more of it since like the day after you were over, because I have not had time. And I am st- uh, still ever, ever slowly approaching the end of Dead Space, after which we will promptly do an episode on Dead Space. 
Ever stalwart. Ever stalwart. Ever musical. Do you ever know if, like, if you're gonna have a bad bathroom experience, do you ever go to the downstairs toilet just to save the upstairs one? No. No? I almost never use the downstairs bathroom here. It does seem weird. It is weird. I don't like it. Mm hmm. I'm just Googling the lighthouse. Mm hmm. I'm gonna pull up the Wikipedia page here. You're fond of your lobster, ain't you? I really think that this song gets longer every time it's played. <laughs> On that note, you're aboard the Good Ship Brothership. What's that? It's the only arts podcast that covers film, wow. music, huh. gaming, Gee. literature, Golly. and brutally beating seagulls to death. My goodness. You're fond of me lobster, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of your brothers, Jason, and this is the other brother, Grant. Hello. Hark, Triton. And what are we talking about today, Grant? Today we are talking about the 2019 film The Lighthouse. <clears throat> the Lighthouse is a 2019 psychological horror comedy film directed and produced by Robert Eggers, who co-wrote the screenplay with his... I almost got a little Asian there. Mm -hmm. The screenplay. With his brother, Max Eggers. Mm -hmm. An international co-production of the United States and Canada, the film was shot in black and white. With a nine one nineteen one aspect ratio, mm -hmm. we'll explain what that means in a sec. It stars Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson as two lighthouse keepers who start to lose their sanity when a storm strands them on the remote island where they are stationed. And the production company is actually the same production company as the one who did uh, Uncut Gems. That's right. Which is interesting. Blossom. Man, they are really on a hot streak. <laughs> no here. kidding. Must be a good. Don't you think it'd be a great feeling if you work somewhere like that? You're just like, man, we are, we are just, just we're just killing, killing it. it. Yeah. yeah. The uh, the budget for the lighthouse four million dollars. If you're keeping score at home, that's like buying a car with two hundred dollars. <laughs> that's a bad example. Yeah, that's sorry. A bad example. I'm sorry. That's a four million dollars is chump change, but twice as much as the Florida Project or Embrace of the Serpent. But one fifth as much as uncut gems. That's right, and the the box office gross it took was uh, seventeen point six million. So it wow. it made a, a really massive success, a really good amount of money, mm. especially for a film of this nature, which is a film of extreme strangeness. And this, I think, is a good indication, and we've seen this with quite a few movies recently. That I think there are a huge amount of people who like movies like, like I don't think this movie is as weird as we think it is because I think a large demographic of people would enjoy it and I think I don't I haven't been alive for that long so I can't speak to this like author authoritatively but I feel in my bones deep in my bones that there's never before been a time when this many people were fans of cinema and when it was this widely accepted to to like this stuff you know I, yeah, and I'd, I'd have to agree, and I think this movie has a really interesting classic quality to it, like an old monster movie, like Creature from the Black yeah. Lagoon or something like that, um, and I think that it kind of has a weird nostalgic resonance, mm -hmm. and also, but it's made with a contemporary deftness, 
Yes. You know? Yeah. And so, I think we really are in a golden age for movies overall. I think for every. I mean, for everything. Like, pretty really? much. Yeah. You know, except for clothing, except for men's fashion, laser really. disc production. Yeah, that that is just <laughs> we tanked, had, man. We had a funny conversation about that at school yesterday about laser discs because nobody knew what they were. No, we just got really. What was it? We got really giggly talking about like people like are there's I I know that there are for sure like laser disc enthusiasts and like you yeah of course we're like do you have like one a uh, disc tray like a CD that you pop out but it's the size of a turntable and I think it's more like you insert it and then close the lid and play like the lid. a record yes. Yeah. <clears throat> We were just cracking the thing up because it the thing seems that gets silly to me, me. The thing that gets me, sorry, is people who love VHS tapes. Or cassettes. Or audio cassettes. Because I'm like, it's just... It's so bad. It's in fear. It's a transitional mm-hmm. form. And it's inarguably inferior to <laughs> the form that is before it or, or after it. Mm-hmm. So just give your head a shake. Absolutely. If you're out there listening to us on a cassette tape... First you of need all, to first of all congrats send it to us yeah i don't know how you did that second of all you need to give your head a shake and maybe invest in some cds or vinyl records or gramophone tubes yeah 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 anyway so we're going to talk about in the movie the lighthouse not not outdated uh modes of listening to audio um <clears throat> Give a little bit of color, a little bit of background on this particular movie. I I heard really, really great things about it. It was actually brought to my attention by a coworker of mine who just happened to see a trailer for it somewhere and thought it looked kind of interesting. And so he shared that with me. He and I often talk about film while we work. And uh, so he piqued my interest and I watched the trailer for it and I was immediately seized with a couple things. Firstly, aesthetically, the movie's very interesting. It's very striking. It's very striking. It's shot in very well-lit black and white. And I don't mean well-lit in terms of it's bright. I mean well-lit in terms of, you know, it's a dark room with one one little flickering lantern in the middle casting light on the character's face. It's very dramatically or, lit. Yeah, yes. Good way of putting it. And uh, the second aesthetic thing I noticed was that it, the aspect ratio, all that means is the shape of the picture you're mm-hmm. looking at, right, is almost a square. Mm-hmm. So, like one, in the, one, nine the to one. olden days when uh, Instagram used to force you to only post square images. Uh, and that that really gives this film a sense of being closed, closed in, I think. It, it mm-hmm. really makes you feel kind of uncomfortably hemmed in and and you're very close to the action. So the, that that caught my attention. Also, the fact that it's Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, which is an unusual duo with their kind of mismatched pedigrees. Robert Pattinson, of course, being best known for his leading role in Twilight. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Willem Dafoe being best known for his roles as that guy in that thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, It's interesting to see such a kind of a star-studded cast for such a low-budget movie, but it's because there's only, like, two actors to pay. Well, there's literally two. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, how many other people are there? I Um, guess there's the... the... Okay, hold on. Hold on. Are we going to talk about things that are potentially spoiler-heavy? This movie... 
Like I think we should. We need to. For it's this hard one. to spoil it, but also the strangeness yeah. does ramp up in a. Yeah, in, he in sees a, a mermaid. Okay. Okay. Sees a mermaid. There it is. So that's another person. So yeah, that, that's that I was yeah. That's. But there's ostensibly only really two cast members. Yes. Yeah. There's. Sorry, mermaid lady. Yeah, you don't count. But um. So my my first <laughs> experience watching this movie was when I had the stomach bug and mm-hmm. I was sat up at home and Hannah, my wife, was at work and I threw this movie on and I cranked up the the sound and I cranked up the bass and I turned off almost all the lights in the house uh. and sat and watched this movie. And by the end of it, I felt so sick in, and I felt hungover and kind of nauseated. But at the same time, I was like, "That was that was something else. That was a wild ride." Mm-hmm. So, what was what was your first experience with this movie? Like, you watched it with me. You watched it here. Yeah, at my when house. we were here. Yeah, and and I guess we'll get to your thoughts in a little bit. So, yes. your your experience is nothing special. The synopsis is wow. very simple: two uh, two men, one old, one young, uh, go to a lighthouse for their four week stint. Mm-hmm. Looking after it, tending the light, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the older of the two, obviously, being Willem Dafoe, and he is an experienced lighthouse keeper. He's a salty dog. He talks like you know. He was a sea captain, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, he talks like Mister Krabs on crack. Mm-hmm. And Robert Pattinson is this young, almost he's almost got like a New Yorker twang. Yeah, like to a little bit accent. more modern, a little bit more of a city kid in a way. And and you get the idea immediately that he might be fleeing something or kind of trying to start a new life. Yeah. Yeah. And and he doesn't really like talking about who he is mm-hmm. or was and he's very evasive with questions of this nature. And and the story just follows the two of these guys living together in this in this lighthouse, tending the light and getting crazier and crazier. Mm-hmm. And crazier and crazier, and that's basically what this movie is: is a spiral into madness. Yeah, that's 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 why you watch it. That's what you came for. It's yeah. what you get. And to be honest, I love movies like that. Mm-hmm. I, we look at Apocalypse Now. Is Taxi one, Driver. Apocalypse Now is one of our favorite movies of all time. It is certainly my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Taxi Driver certainly. is fantastic. And even something like Nightcrawler, I would say, is that slow yeah, descent into Nightcrawler madness. Is excellent. A movie like Donnie Darko, which I don't believe you've seen, no. um, is another one. And all, all I don't know. I'm just such a sucker for that because there is that kind of dark pit within the human psyche, mm-hmm. within the human soul. That, and you don't like to think about it, but any one of us could kind of dive down into there. Yeah, you know? it's interesting to see a movie where people start out pretty reasonably and by degrees and fits and starts kind of slip away from humanity yeah which is exactly what we see here or into something that might be humanity just darker yes yeah uh so let's talk about cinematography and set design the visual Mm -hmm. aspects of the movie what are your thoughts on those uh they're much more heavily stylized than almost anything you'll see ever and that's partially owing to that really squarish aspect ratio we talked about. And they did that because they wanted to make it feel really claustrophobic because they're stuck in this lighthouse and on the kind of small barren spit of land that the lighthouse is on. They're stuck there for the duration of the story. So they wanted to make you feel kind of trapped while you're watching it. And they pulled that off. It's shot all in black and white and it's shot on film 
um, kind of dirty, what was it? Like, it's a Kodak Tri-X 200 or something like that. Of course, um, Tri-X 200. It's something like that. A pretty, like, dirty-looking film stock, and then they underexposed it a little bit. And so what you have is this really grainy, really old, full-of-character result. And, yeah, they, they shot it on a lot of vintage lenses as well, which give a really unique uh, look in terms of micro-contrast and a lot of distortion, too, mm-hmm. which you still get with new lenses sometimes. So let's let's break some of this down for people who don't know all, all your terms. <clears throat> if a lens is distorted, it doesn't mean that somebody's face is necessarily going to look out of proportion or wonky or like a fisheye. Generally, it's around the edge. Yeah, there's right around there's the edge of the picture. Really, only well, there's like two kinds of common distortion, which is uh, pin cushion distortion, which is when the like bottom center of the frame would kind of stretch up a little bit, and the top center would stretch down, so everything's kind of pinched in a little, like bit. almost like an hourglass, yeah, kind of thing. Or what you see way more commonly is uh, barrel distortion, which is the opposite, yeah, which is where the edges are kind of ballooned out a little bit. Think of like uh, GoPro, but then tone it down a lot. Yeah, and that's what you see quite a bit in this movie is a lot of barrel distortion. Yeah, and and that lens when the 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 outside of the picture is kind of distorted and and twisted, a really woozy kind of drunken uh, look at your surroundings. Yeah, and that's usually the barrel distortion is a product of a really wide angle lens. And wide-angle lenses are really neat because they exaggerate people's proportions. Mm-hmm. And we see that used a lot here to make people look huge or small. Sometimes they use it to make the shadows of people look ginormous, which is one of my favorite parts of, of how the movie's lit, is mm-hmm. that while they're sitting there having dinner, there's just this... It looks like there's a monster in the room with them, but it's just a shadow cast like two, on the wall. Two, yes. two like... Uh... Uh, who's the who's the guy who did that Lovecraftian? Yeah, you know Titans, yeah. Colossi fighting on the wall behind them. Well, yeah, but it's... they're just sitting there eating their lobster and yeah. chatting. It's yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and yeah, I completely I think this movie is incredibly visually it's striking. Just, I haven't even, we haven't even talked about the lighting. Yeah, the the lighting is is magnificent. It's incredibly exaggerated, and we were talking earlier about kind of how they achieved that and what you were just talking about the scene where they sit at the table much like we are now and but we're not eating lobster although i have some sushi here um seafood uh and they're sitting across from each other and they've got one of those old-fashioned tornado lamps with the kind of uh bulbous looking glass shade on it Mm -hmm. and they're sitting that tornado lamp has like an unbelievably bright light bulb inside Mm -hmm. of it and that's and they said it was like blinding to sit mm-hmm. in like to have that on the table in front of you and be acting across at each other like they could probably barely see each other People it was on so set bright were wearing sunglasses when they didn't when yeah. they were able to kind of thing because it the nature of establishing those tonalities that you need at light at night where a lot of the room is dark uh ironically requires a lot of light the way they're shooting because mm-hmm. if you shoot it during the daylight um, and you have film like they did that doesn't collect a lot of light, then your baseline, that darkness, is probably going to be something like daylight. So then in order to make those highlights we see in the scene, like on their faces when they're eating, you need to have that much more light to overpower your daylight or exactly. whatever the dark point is. Yeah. So then you get like this surface of 
mercury blistering yeah. light, which is what they had to work with the entire time. But when you watch it, it looks like really moody, uh, claustrophobic night yeah. light, like cabin fever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that's I think that's all about all I have for the cinematography. The set design is quite amazing, though, uh-huh. in that they filmed in Nova Scotia. And they actually constructed a 70-foot-tall lighthouse inside and out, and the breezeway, and the quarters, and the, like, foghorn shed thing Mm -hmm. that is also there. And uh, they actually constructed their own Fresnel lens. And if you don't know what that is... Try Google the, it or something like that. It's the lighthouse lens. It's the, the lens that threw, would throw the light out of a lighthouse. And it's mm-hmm. made out of a lot of stacked, basically magnifying mm-hmm. glasses. Huge. Humongous. Very yeah. difficult to make. Fragile. All that sort of thing. And, and we they, got to see a Fresnel lens while we were out east yes. this past summer. And uh, I'd love to take another look at it, having watched this movie. You yeah, know, me too. But, but we did study it while we were at the Halifax Museum. But and like that was really neat. Like but like, I bet that that thing was almost six foot tall. Probably. I mean, they're huge. Like they're massive. And that was a big one. Like that was a special one that they had at the museum too, for sure. Yeah, it was quite cool. Um, so the set design is also fantastic. Uh, all that to say, the interior shots of their quarters and of the lighthouse look incredibly lived in. Mm-hmm. You can see spots where varnish has worn off of furniture where there's cracks and things and and you know floorboards or wall boards are kind of heaving and weather stained they're saying that the set designer or whatever his title would be had like all the floors uh redone so they looked all worn even though you almost never see the floor in any of the shots yeah he still went through and had it all redone because it was really important to him to have a really authentic feeling set. Yes. And and when you have such a compressed scope, the movie takes place over such a small place geographically, it is important, it's extra important that it feels lived in. You know, if you have some globetrotting of adventure, it's like, well, if the airplane just looks like an airplane, who cares? But when you're confined to a couple small buildings, they better be pretty special. No, that's true. And I would also say Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe are the only two actors mm-hmm. really in this movie, but I'd say The Lighthouse is easily a third character. Yeah, definitely. And and an incredibly important one, and maybe even the one who's driving the story. So in a way, the high quality of set design and execution there is kind of a form of acting, mm-hmm. really, by all these talented set designers and builders and i think it's really really great do we move on to acting or do we insert a special segment into this show uh let's go go special segment yeah Yeah. okay we've we've long we've long talked about how we try we've tried to make this a call-in show or call-out show we've tried to make it a call-in show for many years but nobody knows when we're recording so nobody calls me. And nobody knows our number. And yeah, and also just nobody calls me ever. So we're actually going to do a, a short call-out segment here. We don't know who, who yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, we don't, we don't know. I'm just going to punch in some random numbers. And see if you can get Zachy T, baby. Yeah, and see, see if somebody picks up. Oh, that's a good profile picture or whatever. You yeah, thanks. Like. I took that. Yeah. Is 
The suspense is killing me. I know, the suspense is killing me too. He's probably he's probably very busy or something. Hello. Is that Zachy T baby? Oh good evening, Zachary. Hello. How are you boys doing tonight? We're doing pretty fantastic actually. This is the we've done two episodes of the Good Ship Brothership tonight and now we're doing the third one and it's the lighthouse and we're very disturbed and a little sweaty. And I've had so many firm grapes, my stomach is almost distended. Yeah, he's eating. He's gorging himself on firm, some firm grapes. That yeah, boy's right. firm grapes. Okay, very firm. I so, love a good firm grape. Nothing so, quite just pops in your mouth like a firm grape. That's right. It's true. You don't often think of a grape as being crunchy, mm. but like that—that that is key because it, as soon or, as it. Sorry. Go ahead. As soon as it loses that crunch, it just ceases to be kind of fresh and and beautiful. I think more crisp than crunchy. Yeah, I think you're probably grapes. It's got to be cold and crisp. Mm-hmm. I think you probably actually are yeah. are correct there. I think my terminology is a little off. Anyway, we got you, we got you on the show here. You're on the call out segment because we can't do a call in because these are pre recorded and also nobody calls me. So we got you on the call call out segment here because I know you've seen the lighthouse. And and I know you have thoughts and opinions on it. So if you just want to want to tell us kind of your experience with it and and tell Jason what you think of it because he I know he's very curious about this, then that would be very nice indeed. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed the movie. The uh, the black and white, grainy, gritty kind of atmosphere it set was just awesome to watch mm-hmm. it, it kept me captivated the entire time there wasn't a moment where I was like oh this movie's boring I want to skip through it just kept me there I was like what's going to happen next kept me guessing mm-hmm. not going to lie kept me guessing it was a good time what did Jason think of it I haven't heard Jason's uh, opinion on the movie yeah I mean I, I really liked it I thought it was fantastic and I think they did a really good job of making it really unsettling in like a psychological way you know there's not a lot of jump scares or anything but you're just kind of creeped out the whole time but one thing that i found and i'm interested to hear if if you found this too zach was it's kind of interesting because at times it's pretty funny too and grant and i watched it together and like the whole uh the whole scene with you're fond of me lobster ain't you (laughs) is it's like it's freaky and it creeps me out but it's also a little bit funny just because it's so absurd. Did you find that at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Because, like, it was a great scene where you were like, yeah, it's a, it's absurd, and that makes it funny. But you also have to remember that it's just two guys sitting in a lighthouse arguing, like, whether or not this man likes his cooking or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, it, of course, it's all garbage food. Like, it's all rations and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and part of me feels like I'm just laughing at it because I'm so uncomfortable. I want to relieve some tension, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, exactly. I, I thought it was really an incredible movie, and I'm glad to hear that you liked it. For for, oh, yeah. for those who may be listening and don't know, Zach and I work together. And, and constantly now, ever since we've both seen this movie, we see each other across the, across the lumberyard or in a door one of the big sheds or we're working together or whatever and 
we lines from this movie pop up as much if not more than anything else and we're like hark triton hark or you know you're fond of me lobster ain't you and and various things like that because it's actually a very quotable movie in a really weird weird way but one thing i i got two questions for you zach and then i'll let you go but This this kind this kind of movie is not at all like the normal kind of movie I'd say you probably watch as a person like a kind of art house weirdness. You have seen some weird stuff, and I'll get to that in a second. But like, did you find it? Did you find the movie uh, had any kind of stylistic hurdles you had to get over, or was it just pretty entertaining right from the get go? Well, the uh, trailer hooked me when you showed it to me the first time or should I say Thomas showed us the yeah. first time <laughs> excuse me uh, it really really hooked me and I was quite interested in it and I, I loved like the atmosphere it set immediately for what the movie was going to be yeah kind of through the trailer I was like okay this is going to be a, a pretty good movie I could tell from the trailer and you know what it did not let down it was it was fantastic. I loved it. And and on a scale of one to a racer head, how disturbed were you by the end of this movie? Um, by the end, probably close to uh close to a racer head. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pr- pretty close. A racer head still still up there. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Is it ever? <laughs> Yeah, I don't really want to talk about Eraserhead right now. I just kind of want to f- slip it in there. I need to go to bed in the next six hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, th- thanks for having fun with us, Zachy T, baby. I'll see you, see you in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah, I'll eat a crisp grape for you. See you later. Have a good one. Have a nice crisp, uh, cold grape. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what this show's all about. <laughs> That's what it's real. Tight grapes. Yeah, it's a tight little piece. <laughs> Okay, bye. See you later. <laughs> what a delightful guy. Yeah, he's a nice dude. Anyway, so the uh, so moving on from kind of what he was talking about, we were talking about the the dialogue, some of those mm-hmm. scenes with the big speeches. Let's talk about the acting and writing. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty much just gonna pretty much just gonna rip off the Entertain the Elk video. About how I forget the exact title, but it's heightened about heightened speech heightened, or heightened language. Hei- yeah, it's it's about heightened language uh, through the lighthouse, and it's this really good YouTube video where this dude—I don't know if he's the elk or what—he yeah, goes through and he talks about how the lighthouse is a the the lighthouse's uh, writing is a weird mix of like old timey eighteen hundreds English. And then really poetic, kind of like Shakespearean stuff. Yeah. So what you end up with is this like pirate poetry sort of thing that uh, is really striking. It really draws you in. It's very unique. And uh, yeah, it's just a great experience. And at times it's really absurd in a funny way. At other times it's very unsettling. Yeah. And uh, and they really use use it to great effect. I, I've actually described this movie as uh, David Lynch directing a Shakespeare. Yeah, that's and, fair. Uh, and I think that that gets pretty close to it. The This is much less weird than a David Lynch movie. Oh, for sure. Like, mu- I've only seen two David Lynch movies, but they were both 
five times weirder than this. Mulholland Drive and Eraserhead. Eraserhead. Yeah. Uh, that one part in Mulholland Drive. Ugh. Just I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, for me, the the acting was a massive standout, especially from Willem Dafoe. I mean, the guy is always great, and he always really attacks every role he's in. And the fact that he was in the Florida Project and then this, yeah, is the guy's got a nose for the next great indie movie. And the next time he's in a small movie, I'll be checking it out. Yeah, for sure. He he does definitely have a pedigree there. And he's very humble in his interviews, too. Mm-hmm. He never talks. He doesn't even talk about process. I really wanted to sink into the character. And he's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, this was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Next. <laughs> you know? Like, mm-hmm. which is cool. I like that kind of workman-like mm-hmm. attitude in artists. But his, his crusty old sailor with a big, bushy beard and his manner of speech was like yes. spot on i heard one mm. reviewer complain about it and say he had quote unquote a god-awful Mm-mm. irish accent Mm-mm. and i was like how how could you construe this as an irish accent it's not even close it's like a seafaring accent mm-hmm. you know and uh i i really think without willem defoe's performance this movie doesn't have a leg to stand on robert pattinson oh, is very it- I think it still has a leg to stand on. But can you imagine anybody else in this role? Yeah, like, Willem Dafoe was a standout part of the movie, but there's so much else of quality here that the movie would still be fantastic with or without him. This is true, but what I'm saying, I guess, is the movie has a ton of style, and Willem Dafoe, I think, is the beating heart of substance. He's the centerpiece. He is the substance in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, For so many, he is... like you said, his performance is comedic. It's captivating. Mm-hmm. It's threatening. It's Very. scary. Yeah. It's you kind of feel it's melancholic, and uh, and I think like I think this is a really really good performance up there with with some of the other great performances of Mad Men mm-hmm. in movies, and uh, I, Robert Pattinson also was fantastic as the kind of foil for he, that. He played. The straight man, kind of like how in comedy you have the straight man to contrast a really goofy person. I think that Robert Pattinson, for the first two-thirds of the movie, was yeah. like a, a point of relative sanity. Um, and then, I mean, that, that only works out for so long. <laughs> yeah, true. But, but I do... His, his position as a straight man is kind of on a sliding scale. Because yes. he gets pretty... Oh, that's pretty whacked. Absolutely. That's that's what I said. It only works for so long. True. But, but compared to Willem Dafoe's, like, Willem Dafoe was pretty much crazy when they got on that rock. Yes. Uh, but Robert Pattinson, you have a bit more of a normal to crazy scale to follow. I suppose that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 and the writing in this movie is among some of the best I think I've ever heard. Yeah, it's really uh, nice. The, like what Willem Dafoe talked about, the heightened language, and how how impressive is it that they have these incredibly flowery, prosaic, poetic speeches, these great big Shakespearean orations mm-hmm. in this movie, and yet you never really question, you know, why? So nobody would talk like mm-hmm. that. You know, he calls down this this 
curse on him. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Willem Dafoe's character calls down a curse at one point, and it's this very long, <laughs> long, long, very flowery, very well written yeah. speech. And you never, it never pulls you out. It just sucks you in even deeper. I will say that this is a movie that I found hard to watch without subtitles, and ended up um, we put on subtitles for like the last half. I would rather watch movies without subtitles all the time, but I found it difficult enough to understand that I think the subtitle was worth it for me. Okay. I, I personally didn't have an issue whatsoever understanding I got the wax out of my ears. Um, so, closing thoughts. Um, I, I think both of us have really enjoyed, really enjoyed this movie. I think we hit that review out of the park. Uh, uh, I think that <laughs> <laughs> enough about the movie. Yeah. Let's talk about us. I want to review our performance. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the movie does a really good job of dividing itself into a couple different parts, just by having like a certain establishing shot or brief scene um, that either while you're watching it, or for me, more at the end, looking back, I went, "Wow, that was really." A turning point, you know, like Robert Pattinson's interaction with the seagull. Mm-hmm. Um, I look back and I'm like, wow, that really signaled to me a shift in the movie. Yeah, and I think it's really neat how there are no chapters or like seasons or anything like that. But it seems to me that the story is subdivided into chapters, but just by these motifs. Yeah, they do have a nice, and that's a literary kind of device mm-hmm. that I try and work into my own work as well. Where you have kind of a recurring scene, like their dinners. Yeah. Or even like uh, Robert Pattinson's character does upkeep around the lighthouse. Kind of yeah. those upkeep chore uh, sequences. Kind of do something to add a sense of tempo. And it gives you an apples-to-apples comparison for their sanity, basically. That's true, yeah. When you can hear one dinner conversation after another. Yeah. You see it kind of change a little bit. It gives you a time. reference point, yeah. Yeah. But really, a really smartly done movie... Um, it is a little bit strange like we were talking about but I don't think in general you should be put off by that it's not like a David Lynch movie where you pretty much have to be a psycho to really watch it <laughs> I think this movie is on the on the strange side of approachable yeah. yeah and I, I think that if you are a fan of film if you're a fan of photography or just good storytelling it's or really, Shakespeare. Or Shakespeare, yeah. It's really worth a watch. And there's there's not a lot to complain about here at all. No. I, I think the movie might be a tiny bit long, and that's the only complaint I can I can level against it. Mm-hmm. Also did not like the lobster. Yeah. Me mm-hmm. neither, to be honest. But I'll say I did. If I, I think that's to. it. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I've been Grant, and that's been Jason over there. I'm off to fall asleep behind the wheel. Yep. And uh, if you've seen The Lighthouse, if you loved The Lighthouse, if you hated The Lighthouse, if you were somewhere in between. Have you, you ever seen be. A Lighthouse? Have you been in A Lighthouse? Because I have. Yeah, um, that, was, where, that was somewhere around here. Uh, that was where all the bikers go. Is that Port Elgin? Port Dover. Port Dover, yeah. Huh, is that where it was? I think so. Uh, if, you, if you've experienced this movie and you have a strong opinion about it, uh, drop us a line. You can message us on Facebook. Uh, just look for The Good Ship Brothership. You can find us on Instagram at... The, the Good, Good Ship, Ship Brothership. Brothership. And you can even email us at thegoodshipbrothership at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Peace out. Peace. Oh.